How we feeling? What's up, guys? How we feeling? Um, I'm out here with special guest Ishmael Saremba, also known as Ish, and also known as Soul. But we're, we'll get into that later. How's it going, Ish? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. So what we want to do here, what we do with the How We Feeling podcast is to um, dive into people's journeys. And um, we're wondering if you're down to do that with me right now. Yeah, man, I'm always open to kind of reflect on what made me who I am. So I'm, I'm down. Move for it. All right. Well, where do you want to start? Oh, I guess it's only right to start from the beginning, you know, take it all the way back. So these guys don't know me. I grew up in London, England. Okay, and where I'm from, um, football, soccer is life. So, <laughs> so like my whole my whole whole childhood just based around just the, the game and playing the game and trying to make it as a professional soccer player. You know, it also comes with just growing up in like a impoverished neighborhood. Um, what you you typically find is kids who grow up where I am typically just have like a few mindsets of what they want to do. You know, I have a be a huge rapper, uh, be a huge like athlete. And that's pretty much what we look up to as our idols. So for me as a kid growing up, I was always intelligent, but I also had just had the love for playing a sport. So I uh, grew up playing soccer my whole life. Um, when I was 12, I got scoured to play for Chelsea's Youth Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that was a... That was a crazy experience. Just how to, was that? Like when you were twelve years old, and like you're like, oh, sh-. like yeah. shit, I'm playing for Chelsea's youth academy. Like how how did that feel? It's fucking insane. I was over the moon. Can yeah. I swear, sorry? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. It was it was it was fucking insane. Like I was like, um, just grew up playing in my local neighborhood. I actually mm-hmm. started playing for like a, a local Sunday league team mm-hmm. called Alpha and Omega. And um, when I first went there, Raheem Sterling was on the team. And he was like, he was like the go of the team, you know, obviously, as you can imagine. So I come in and then like, um, within like a few months of me getting on the team, he gets scared by QPR and leaves. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was in a good place that had eyes on it from professional ranks, but never in a million years did I think that Chelsea, one of the biggest teams in the flipping world, was going to yeah. be the one to pick me up. Yeah. And so I played for that team for two years. And then I remember going to a summer tournament. Um, I remember scoring two goals and then guy comes up to me in a little Chelsea suit, asked me, like, asked me for my name and information. I gave him that shit, and I was just like, this is fucking crazy. What's happening? I went home, told my mom, just like, I gave this information. Like, it was, it was just so, crazy. So, like, you were, like, 14? No, I was 12 when I did that. That was, that was when you were 12. Okay. Yeah. So, I started playing for the Sunday team at 10, and oh, then okay, okay. got scaled at 12, yeah. Yeah. And then, so then how long were you at Chelsea for? I was at Chelsea for a total of six years. Six years. Yeah. So... That was that just like competitive. Competitive, competitive as fuck. Like it was. I mean, when I, when you're young, like you, the only thing you see is just like the fun side of it, you know. And it was yeah. it was great just playing. Mm-hmm. What I found is the older you got, you realize how much of a business this was. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't at Chelsea to have fun, you know. It was there to like Chelsea wanted to make a profit off me at the end of the day. Yeah. And so it becomes a very competitive the older you get. And I remember when I turned sixteen is when you go full-time. So, like, in England, you can leave school at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Chelsea do is they um, they take you into the scholarship, they pay you, and you live, like... So I left my home at 16, moved to, like, this neighbourhood called Surrey, which was, like, coming from, like, improvised London, inner city, into, like, some, like, fancy-ass, like, mansions and shit. It was right back at Chelsea um, training uh-huh. ground. 
So I moved in and lived with like a host family who were big Chelsea fans. Uh-huh. I was there and my roommate was um, Nathan Aki. I don't know if he plays for Bournemouth right now. Yeah. yeah so that was, yeah. that was 16, yeah. That's crazy. So you already had all that experience and all these players and stuff. Like any other players that you met on oh. the way there now, like top, top? Yeah, I remember um, when I was at Chelsea, Romelu Lukaku just got bought when he was like 18, I think. Uh-huh. And like, we didn't really know anything of this guy. We just knew like, oh, this guy's from Belgium. Apparently he's super good. Massive. And he was flipping massive. Fucking <laughs> 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 huge. It was huge. And like, I remember playing a game with him. Like, I remember, um, I remember playing right wing and he was like in the nine. And I remember just like any pass you'd play him, like a through ball, he's going to get to it. Like, he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> that good to him. I remember playing him a pass. It's like, ah, it's not going to make him. But just like, he bodies some guys and gets to it. So it was insane. insane. And then, so um, after the whole Chelsea thing, mm-hmm. like, what happened? Was it what's, what's, yeah, what happened after that? Yeah. So when you go from 16 to 18, mm-hmm. um, you're, those two years you're living full time, you're there just to try and get a professional contract. Mm-hmm. So it's there. It's like, okay, this is the last step. After here, you're either going into Chelsea's first team or one of their reserves or going off alone or like you're not really having a career. Yeah which is a really weird predicament to be in because yeah. I'm really not from a lot of like um, well off. I'm not well off. Like my family's not really that well off. Mm-hmm. So it's like a really big gamble to take at 16 anyway. Yeah. So like in that time when I had the opportunity to like Chelsea said they weren't going to give me a professional contract. So I had the choice of like, I went on a bunch of trials. I went on a trials on like maybe 20 different professional teams mm-hmm. in the country. And um, I remember getting a couple offers just for like a one-year deal. And so at that point, I was facing the predicament, okay, do I sign this deal, take this risk? And if things don't work out, it's I'm probably going to be playing down in the lower leagues and then eventually my career is going to be done yeah. and I don't really have any education or nothing yeah. to fall back on. So it was like school yeah. or the risk? The risk of I could blow up yeah. and be like a Raheem Sterling, but yeah. if it doesn't work out, yeah. you know. Yeah. So... Luckily, I had my agent who I was working with was a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. And um, he was from Uganda. So him and my mom got on like pretty well. Mm-hmm. And my mom was always just on education my whole life. Yeah. Like she grew up, she teaches English as a second language. So she was always just like, you need an education in this life, especially when you're a black kid, you need an education. Mm-hmm. So he, my agent had spent some time in America and he went through the whole college athlete system. Mm-hmm. So he knew people out here. And I, at that point, had no idea of like, college soccer I didn't know like Americans played the sport or took it off seriously but like yeah. I mean Americans play soccer they don't play football exactly, so exactly. It's, a, it's a huge difference already, you know? <laughs> exactly and I was uh, so yeah he told me he got me in touch with a company called Vertex Soccer and they basically helped me put together like a um, highlight reel just like my background email to all these different schools and I remember like a few weeks later I'm getting emails from all these in my head at that point, just random places. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Like, I had emails from like UCLA, Maryland, like New Mexico. I remember Princeton flipping. Yeah. Like, like top schools. Top right? schools. Yeah. Just all for like soccer scholarships. Because yeah. yeah. I'm a kid who's playing for Chelsea from like an American standpoint as a college, college coach. That's very attractive, you know? Yeah. So I remember just like having all these schools. And at that point, I didn't really realize how much of a benefit it was. I, st- mm-hmm. I was still like fighting my mom in this idea of education. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went on a visit to Akron, um, 
I didn't really do much research. I just saw the Akron number one at the time. <laughs> and they had, in the I mean, when I first went there in 2013, in the two years before that, they had like 20 kids go into the MLS. And oh. so like at that point, I was like, okay, I want to go to the MLS. Yeah. yeah, and that's, that's what I want to do. I want to mm-hmm. go to the MLS. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go there. And they offered me a full scholarship. So I'm like, okay, let's do that. And that's how I ended up in America, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, now you're at Cal Poly. So, like, what was, what were, like, the events that led you to come to Cal Poly? And then, you know, now you're in San Luis Obispo living life here. So, like, yeah, it's been a fucking journey. It's crazy. Um, so, where do we start? So, I was at Akron. I get there, freshman. Things are going well. I mean, um, I play, I, I played every game. I was like, I have a slide or a sub in every game for Akron my first season there. Midway through the season, we had a game. Um, we're chasing down the lead. And we need to get get the win. And I was dribbling with the ball, probably over over dribbling because that's how I was. And got in a little uh, little tangled with some guy, and I tore my ACL for the first time. And in my whole life playing soccer, this was my first injury. Like from the age of ten when I started, uh-huh. the most time I haven't played a game was like two weeks. I think I twi- rolled my ankle one point uh-huh. and missed one game my six years at Chelsea. Jeez. So like, this was the fir- my first experience with dealing with an injury. And I was like, in another country, in yeah. a random ass state yeah. of people I didn't know. Yeah. And it was just like, it was, it was tough. And that's when like, I mean, now that I'm like, we'll get to the end of the story, but I remember yeah. at that point, it was just yeah. like, I didn't really realize the effects I was happening on, happening on my mental health. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just like, you just tap into survival mode. Yeah, exactly. When you're away from your family, you're in like a tough situation. All you can do is just like try and survive the best that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and but like the, you suppress all these emotions because you don't you know around people you feel comfortable sharing them with. Yeah, yeah. But all those suppressed up emotions build into like just like anxiety. They come out as depression. Yeah. There's so many yeah. things it does to you that you don't realize that you're yeah, doing exactly. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. The longer you hold them to. Yeah. You know, negative emotions and don't talk about it, you know. Um, it's just built up pressure you're putting on yourself. Exactly. So, like, for example, if you don't have anyone really to talk to mm-hmm. in Akron, um, what do you think? Do you think, like, it would have been different? Like, if, like, not that you had, had anyone to talk to, but, like, if you just talked mm-hmm. about what happened and, like, what's going on through your head with, I don't know, your coach or whatever, like, did you talk to your coach about it or not really just kept it with him? Yeah, that's, that's a weird thing. So it's like mm-hmm. with, that's one, that's with the business aspect of sports in itself, mm-hmm. I think it's something that happens with college athletes as well here. It's like whether like the coaches and the organizations we play for, it's sad, but at, the, at some point they see you as like a profit, mm-hmm. you know, or they see you like money out the door. And especially if I'm a kid on a full scholarship, yeah. I felt like it was resentment towards me for being injured. There was never real, like, any, like, sympathy. It felt like, fuck, we just paid you, like, all this money. We're paying for all your school. Like, I know they have the NCAA NCAA rules. Like, I have, like, a certain amount of scholarships they can give. And, like, they give it to this freshman kid and he can't play it. So, like, I felt that. and felt that from... Yeah. yeah, I felt that the whole time. That's brutal. Yeah. It was never like, oh, my God, I'm sorry that you hurt yourself. It was like... It was like, why are you hurt? Yeah, it's it was crazy, and then like yeah, so that's even this explains like how it got even worse. My journey got even worse. So mm-hmm. like after that first injury, um, like I grinded trying to get back into 
back in the shade, did everything that the doctors, the physio was telling me, all that stuff they asked me to do, I did. And like, I get to end of the spring season. And I think it's like maybe six months out of my, my surgery. Mm-hmm. And it was the end of the spring season. And the the coaches thinking at a point, I was like, okay, cool. Planning for next season. Um, Ish is probably going to be one of our like forwards. You know, we need to get him back playing. We need to get him like back in shape. So I was doing like little drills. I was doing like little finishing drills with, with them. Like, and I remember doing like a, like a shooting and volume drill with like um, the goalkeepers at the time and the goalkeeper coach. And I was doing that. And then I remember swinging to do like a volley and then I just fell to the ground. And this was like me recovering. And at that point I was like, don't tell me I did it again. And like, I, I, at that point I didn't realize I, if I had done it again, but I knew something was up. And so I remember, I remember all the coaches being like, oh my God, like they were hoping that I was good. And I remember we did like a scan and I think about this blows my mind. I remember we did like a, did like another scan on my knee and we're at like a banquet dinner. Mm-hmm. And like, that's when the physio got the results back. So I'm sitting at this dinner with like my teammates at the time and he comes over and he says, okay, you're good. Like your ACL is not fully torn. It is partially torn. So he told me, okay, your ACL is partially torn. And I think, I don't even remember those two other ligaments that were torn, but it weren't like the, I think it was like the MCL something. The LCL. Something like that. They only needed like six weeks of rest. No yeah. surgery was required, basically. What he said. Something like that. It was like no surgery was required. So like in his eyes, it was like, okay, we're good. You don't have to get for another surgery. Um, like you're good. You just, your ACL is partially torn. We can rehab you over the summer and you'll be fine for the season. At that point, I had, I wanted, I was a kid who wanted to play. I yeah. fucking miss playing soccer. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. The doctor said I'm fine. Let's just grind it here. Yeah. Call my mom and say, hey, mom, I'm going to stay this summer in Akron um, because I have to work on my physio to get back ready for mm-hmm. the season. Looking back on that, I remember there was one friend of mine, uh, actually at the time, who when he heard that news, I could tell he was like, yo, that doesn't sound right. Like, that's that should be bad news. But like the way the coaches were spinning, it was like, it was like it was good news. Because they just wanted you to stay. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, to be ready to play. Yeah. But in all honesty, like if they'll care about my health and my well-being, that's it's getting up a surgery. You need to yeah. fix this shit, yeah. you know? And But like, I remember I was like, okay, cool. I want to play. Stayed there. Did work with the, with the physio all summer. Every day I was in there grinding, used like these mach- like machines like to get my strength up in my legs. Did all the everything they wanted, and then like that just kind of shows to me as well. Like if we're going back to like how I was just viewed as like this product, you know, and it's like I it just needed to me to like play. Play, yeah. It was like they didn't take in like your value as like a human, human. being, you know. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> And it's like, I'm probably not the only person that fucking has to deal with this shit. Yeah, I know. You know. But like, during that time, you just had like, you had one goal, which was professional yeah. soccer. And like, you just thought like, okay, let's just keep grinding. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like you're and you're just that. like, you're just like naive. You don't know that much. And like, mm-hmm. and so they just like took advantage of you kind of. Yeah, I mean, I don't in like. Sense, to, in a sense. sense, I don't like to say it that way because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was all for it, man. It's yeah, like, exactly. I'm a kid, like I want to play. Like yeah. I, like I'm 18. I just left Chelsea. Like I came here. I came to America to make it. I can't be sitting here being injured. Yeah. You know, like so. I'm like, yeah, let's play. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. let's keep going. Um, so then, yeah, we came back for the second my sophomore season now, and we went through captain's camp. Everything was good. 
kid you not, this is the first training drill. First training drill with the coaches of the season. And we're doing like a possession drill. And um, they're doing a demonstration. And I remember I was so eager. So they played the ball out to start the drill. Like the, the coach played it to one of the defenders to start the drill. I went in super hard to press him. The guy didn't touch me at all. He took, took, took a touch and played it. But as I sprinted to press him down, I planted on my left leg. And at that point, it just went out. Non-contact. Non-contact, no nothing. And that was my second ACL injury. Yeah. And like, I remember seeing, I remember that shit as well. I remember going to the sideline and I remember, like, there's so many things I think back now that I remember. And like, there was one of the fitness coaches when I came into the side, he was like, damn, Ish, your knee's no good, huh? I'm like, yeah, no fucking shit. I just tore from my ACL. Is that the shit you're going to say to me right now? Like, yeah. are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, yeah, state the fucking obvious. Like, yeah. of course. And like, I remember again, like, no coaches came to me, no nothing like that. Again, it was just that feeling like, fuck, like this guy's fucking injured again. Yeah, it's not like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think it is just like taking advantage or like, like now when you're looking back at it, it was just like yeah. business? Yeah, I, I don't business, even, business kind of stuff. Or? Yeah, I can't really blame them because like, I can't, but it's like, that's just like, honestly, it's, Kind of like American culture, like the whole capitalism thing. Like yeah. all businesses, all everyone's working on their bottom line. Yeah. And so, like the schools that they're these people are coaching for, like they need their bottom line, you know. So they need a successful program. Yeah. So the coaches are then put on pressure to make sure they have a successful program. Yeah. And so with all of that and all those thoughts in their head, when like you're a coach is getting pressure for their job, you think they're really thinking about like, oh, this kid's like mental health. No, they're yeah. thinking about okay. Exactly. I need to win. Is this kid available? No, this kid's not going to be able to tell me win because yeah. he can't play. Yeah. Outside of mind. You know, if, yeah. he, if he's healthy, I'm all for it. If I was healthy, he's probably, he'd probably spend so much time with me to like actually become a better player. But of course, I couldn't play. Yeah. It's like, like that. If you, if you look, like if they mm-hmm. like cared for you and yeah. stuff like that, do you think like it would just been a way better recovery and way better, you know, like you'd give it your all more type thing or... Um, like if they if they cared for you as like not their soccer player as like a person a person that's like playing soccer to make this program better. Yeah, I think I think if I had like a support system like that, I would have dealt with the shit I was going through a little mm-hmm. better. Um, as everyone here who went to college knows, there's a lot of distractions when you're going to college, yes, yes. and especially as a, a when you're a college athlete, you can't play like. I definitely fell into some bad habits, you know, like, um, I was using like my release from like the shit I was going through mm-hmm. was going out on the weekends and drinking and shit. Like, and Even, like before games and stuff or not really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I wasn't playing. So I was pretty much just acting like a normal college kid. And like that probably didn't help my fucking recovery. Of yeah. course, looking yeah. back, like yeah. I have a lot of blame I have to take in it as well. But like I'm just trying to raise awareness. Like, like I didn't, I didn't like that. I was always viewed as like, oh, this kid's fucking partying again. Like, la la la. Like, yeah, of course I was. But like, okay, let's look at the human as a person. Yeah. Was Ish like this before he came in? No. no. Like before I, before I, when I first, when I went to Akron as a freshman, I never drank anything in my life. Yeah. I never. My first drink I took was a week after I told myself for the first time. Yeah. And so, like, and that's just to suppress emotions. Suppress emotions. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, that's why it's yeah. better to talk about it. And yeah. it's sad that it took me like 
this many years to actually sit down and actually talk about mm-hmm. it more openly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what happens to a lot of people when you when you suppress your emotions, like you you find other things to block them out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people lead into substances. And even just going through college as well, like mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. people just the stress school gives you mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I mean, me personally, um, for me, like taking tests was very hard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I want to be able to, I'm not a good test taker, but like, I, I know the whole process of like, I was a, I was a, I was a biology student. So I know the whole like physiological process of everything. Mm-hmm. I know it, but then on the test with the wording and everything, like I just like wouldn't be able to like understand the wording. Mm-hmm. And you know they try to trick you here and there with it, and like I get my test scores back and it's not good, and I'd be like, dude, I know this stuff. I taught like People. some of the students this stuff, and they're getting A's and I'm getting C's. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on, right? Exactly. And that was just like also like kind of like there's something wrong in this whole like system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, mm-hmm. and they don't really care for your even with students, they don't really care for your. Yeah, mental health, really, like the counseling program here in Cal Poly. Like, oh, yeah, dude, I went to them once and literally, I could taste that. I don't even know what they <laughs> said because it was just so rude. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just like, okay, dude, this is not yeah. for me. Like, I'm just gonna talk to my friends, and that's like what was the best thing for me, just talking to my friends and like being vulnerable, mm-hmm. like letting them know like how I feel, yeah, about things, like you know, like actually not being like, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good. You hear that a lot from everyone, says, everyone, that everyone says, says that shit. Everyone says yeah. that shit. Everyone says that, but it's like you're really not, and like it's just the best to like take that step within yourself mm-hmm. to be like, I'm not fine. This is what's going through my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, can we talk about it? Even though if it's like one little stress thing at school that you don't talk about, mm-hmm. that's again built up stress yeah. that's gonna like result into something worse later on. Of but course, just, like yeah. That's like what was going through me too, but like obviously different scale of things, but no, this, it's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah, everyone has those same things. It's like yeah. you have to encourage. And honestly, like something as well. I'm the reason why I decided to like to speak up more about this mm-hmm. because I know I probably have friends who I really care about who probably have emotions on like suppressed feelings that they have inside yeah. and they don't go out and they don't feel like they're in a position where they can speak. So yeah. if me as a person can like start speaking to them about it, they'd be like, oh. It's just talking about it's this true. shit. I guess, like, I can talk to them about that shit, too. It's cool. Like, yeah, I'd expect everyone to do that shit, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like mm-hmm. in today's world, like, people are slowly trying to, are slowly, like, understanding that. Mm-hmm. Like, talking about your emotions is, like, really big and stuff. Like, yeah. it's, like, I, it's, like, a holistic approach, mm-hmm. like, an introspective approach to, like, helping yourself, just looking within and then talking, letting it out, right? Yeah, yeah. Which lets you take that little deeper breath or whatever it is yeah. you know um that's like the biggest part like oh. it's kind of crazy though just talking mm-hmm. just makes such a big difference definitely in one's mental health just like mm-hmm. i don't know how that works biologically it, it but does, like yeah. it's just crazy yeah. it's like you're happier you're able to just you're happier in general you're able to do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. easier and better just because you don't have that those thoughts in the back of your head that are like haunting you or not haunting but just like you're dwelling that, on that, yeah. in the back of your head and like have you like unfocus on certain things that you need to do yeah like i even feel better now you know i just like spend like uh-huh. reminiscing those stories like yeah. hard parts of my life yeah. but speaking about them because they're always going to be part of me they're always going to be in my head yeah, like, yeah. 
yeah, it's always going to be like a thought that's always going to come to my mind. But like speaking about it, it's going to make me feel better on it. Yeah. But yeah. Damn. Where, were the, where was I in the fucking story? Where did I go? Oh yeah, you were, um, <laughs> yeah, you were, you were saying it was your second yeah. ACL tear, gotcha. and then after that, um, you started partying and stuff. Yeah, how was it? We got on time. Yeah, no, we're good. We're oh, okay, good. cool. So you guys might hear the whole shit, all this shit. Um, yeah, you got <laughs> me start. You got me started now. Fuck. Um, so what did I? What happened after that? So obviously after my, well, yeah, my second injury um, happened at the start of preseason for mm-hmm. um, for Akron. Mm-hmm. So I was pissed like I remember calling my mom like like yeah like I just spent the whole summer here to work on this knee and so that's the whole reason I wouldn't, didn't spend summer at home with you guys but didn't really work out because I'm not going to play this season I'm, I'm injured again yeah. so 27 for the third time okay and then this one I remember going this is what antipathized me in my head like I knew that I was just like not really cared about as a person I remember obviously so this, this was like the wake up call but this was just like, this, this was tough. Like I remember like, so I remember I had my surgery. Okay. The, the team had a game. So like the physical, the trainer wasn't, wasn't going to come with me for my surgery. And obviously none of the boys, none of the team workers are all going to go for a game. So we're at like a, the pregame meal with the, with the, with the guys. And like, um, one of the athletic trainers who was like a grad student was going to drive me and wait for my surgery. And like, when I think back, like, fuck, I'm going to my second surgery. I have no family around. The only person going to be there with me is a, um, a grad student I've never met who's helped me out, which I really appreciate, but like, I don't know, this kid, I don't know, this kid, I need some fucking support. This support. is scary, you know? Yeah. So like, I remember we're sitting at the, we're having dinner, we're having like a pregame meal. And then the flare trainer comes in like, oh, you're ready to get me. And like, all my teammates were super supportive, you know, like um, I went around, they all shook my hands, said like, good luck, you're all good stuff. And I remember like going one by one by every one of my teammates and then like there was a coach's table, you know, like and I'm walking past the table. And you know, we like you'll you'll shake everyone's hand and like you're just like you look up expecting someone to say something just because everyone said something. Mm-hmm. So like I look up and I looked at them and like had no words for me. No words, no high five, no nothing. I looked at them and I couldn't believe that they weren't gonna say anything. So like I had this slow, like awkward walk past them. Yeah. No words said. And I was like, damn. I ended up walking. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, I am a 19-year-old kid who's just flew my flew across the country to play across the world to play for you. Mm-hmm. I've had two ACL injuries. Yes, you're probably pissed at me because I um, fell into started drinking and partying too much. But you're not even gonna fucking like look me in my eye and be like, "Good luck." Even if you don't mean that shit, bro, yeah. just say "Good luck." Yeah. Like you're about to go into fucking surgery again. Yeah. And so that didn't sit right with me at all. Like I remember that thinking, like that contrast to. I remember the moment like when I committed to Akron because mm-hmm. they knew I'd been talking to like UCLA, Maryland, all these schools like like of all of me offers full scholarships. So when I was on the phone and I told them I'm gonna come, they started cheering down the phone like making me feel like I'm like the guy, you know? They're yeah. so happy to have yeah. me. I'm just like seeing that contrast. Like clearly, you don't really give a fuck. <laughs> you don't give a fuck. Yeah. It was just like an act. I was like, okay, cool. So go through that and then I did the surgery and I remember we had like our end of season meeting and I remember I'm in so this, this meeting. this is like sophomore? Year? Sophomore, yeah. yeah. This is, so at the end of the fall we have like those meetings uh-huh. that we have and so I had the meeting and it was like never them like, never they can, I don't think they're allowed to tell me like, hey, we're going to get rid of you because I don't think they're illegally are they allowed to do that. 
but like the whole conversation was just basically just pushing me out the door. Like, I could tell, like, don't you think you should like maybe try something, um, try maybe that fresh start sort of thing? Like basically like in this nicest way telling me like, yeah, we're yeah. not really trying to pay you more full scholarship. Oh. You've been you've wasted two years. I think we're gonna cut our losses. That's pretty much like what the feel was, yeah. but he couldn't say that. Yeah. So I remember just leaving that meeting being so just like so angered, like so pissed. And then I flew home. I spent the Christmas home at that, that point, and I had made my mind up that I'm leaving Akron. Mm-hmm. So here I am, 19-year-old kid, sophomore. She played nine games in college in collegiate football, soccer, with two ACL injuries, currently recovering from an ACL injury. I get home and I'm like, I literally I told myself I'm, I'm emailed like every fucking school. Yeah. I, I wanted to live in, I wanted to come to California. Uh-huh. I just thought, like, you know what? If I'm going to leave Akron, at least I'm going to go somewhere with better fucking weather. Nice. So yeah. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me try to go to California. So I emailed every fucking school in California. Mm-hmm. Emailed UCLA again. <laughs> like they responded to me, but I said, oh, what, what adversity have you faced? And I was like, two yeah. ACL injuries. Smart decision. I was like, ah, I think we're good. You know? Yeah, of yeah. course. So like I was doing that with a bunch of schools. Yeah. I'm like, I remember emailing probably, I don't know, like every school you can think of in California, really. And two people were like interested. There was um, San Francisco and Cal Poly. Mm. San Francisco, a little hesitant, but Cal Poly. And I sat, I came, I did my visit. They were very interested. Like I remember emailing back and forth with Steve and I told him like, yeah, um, I've had two ACL injuries. I'm kind of recovering from one. Obviously, I'm still hoping to come and play and recover from these injuries and still go pro. That was still my mindset. Mm. And so, yeah, they took a chance on me, man. Honestly, like, that's one thing I have to be grateful for because I honestly don't know what my life would have looked like if Kyle Polly didn't give me that scholarship. Yeah. Because, Were they the only one? Yeah, the only one. Yeah. The only one. So, like, yeah. I went from, like, two years prior having, like, my choice of nearly every fucking school in the country mm-hmm. to having just one. Cal Poly. <laughs> to one Kyle Polly. It just seemed like it was meant to be. So, I was like, all right, yeah. cool. So I remember coming on my, I remember like getting my stuff in order. I remember oh, like it was, I had to come, I had to come on my visit, came on my visit and um, met with a doctor down in LA so he can check out my knee just so they can see like if he's going to recover. That went good. Everything, did my visit up here. It was dope. Met some of the boys that I fucking end up being very close friends with. Funny that then I didn't really know if I was going to be, but like it was just dope. Yeah. Just seeing that, that journey when I think back to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then... Um, for yeah. Stuff. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. So then I did that, and then so... I remember what... So one of the things I had done... So I... As you can, maybe, as you can imagine, throughout the, the whole time I was going for Akron, my, my grades were a little slipping. <laughs> were slipping a little bit. They weren't like... I wasn't... Um, my GPA wasn't the best to just get into Cal Poly. Because yeah. Cal Poly, again, is... I think I think the acceptance rate for Cal Poly was like in the night. wasn't like... The acceptance rate for Akron was in that like 90%. People get accepted. And Cal Poly is like 33%. It's like even lower. Cal Poly is definitely a better academic school. So I remember I had to do, for me to be able to come to Cal Poly, I had to be a political science major because I had a lot, bunch of free electives. So I can use the class I used at Akron. Um, but also I had to get my GPA up. And to get my GPA up, I had to take seven classes in my spring quarter at Akron. At Akron and I had to get A's in all of them. So, like, think about tapping into survival mode. I'm like, okay, yeah. ish, you have to get A's in every one of these classes or you're going to go, you're not going to go yeah. to Cal Poly, yeah. you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. You're going to go back home and have to work some shit out. Yeah. And I was like, okay, grand. 
nowhere in that time did I have time to think about my mental health and like try and think like processing the shit that's gone on because everything was just back to back to back and I had to act in the moment so I remember just that spring water I stopped drinking I um, just grinded like I remember um, I barely hung out with anyone I was just like okay I went I worked on my did my rehab for my knee went running to keep fit went back studied put the work in Ended up getting all A's in those seven classes, 4.0 oh. semester. Uh, made Dean's List this year at that year, Akron. It was my only time I made Dean's List, but I was, I was fucking happy about that. Oh, yeah. And so um, that got me into Cal Poly. So I'm like, yes, I have a fucking chance, you know? Yeah. Have a fucking chance. So I got home that summer, um, super happy. Like somehow I have this scholarship opportunity. I'm going out to California. So, and then so that's when I came out to California. And um, yeah, I mean, the first, my first season here was, I was nowhere near my best. You know, like I had just started playing again, hadn't played in two years. So I was coming off the bench. It was very, it was a very frustrating um, season. Yeah. And like a very mentally draining one as well, because yeah. like, I just. You knew you were better. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Something like, it's so sad. Like, just, I feel like that people who saw me play like soccer at Cal, at, in Cal Poly don't probably think I'm fucking shit. <laughs> like, why is this kid like, this kid plays with play for Chelsea? That's probably what people think. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's just like that when, that's when like football is like your identity, it's tough to like know that you're not showing your best. Because yeah. like in my head at that point, and like some even like, I will we'll get into this after, but like, like, when you're playing a sport at like that competitive level, like I know a lot of like college athletes can, can relate to this. It's like, it becomes your identity. So yeah. you like feel that you are, I saw myself as ish the soccer player. That's all yeah. I was. Yeah. And so the fact that I wasn't performing as like the top, like how I knew I could before really fucked in my head mentally. And, um, and I'm also just like in a new place where I am in survival mode. And I know that like me as a person, I thrive with people's energy. So like, I am just trying to keep friends. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not really trying to delve into my emotions with these people who don't really know me. I'm just trying to, I'm like cold switching. I'm like doing all these things just to fit into this new norm that I have to adjust to. I have to survive in. And so that was my, that was my carpool experience. It was rough. And then um, I remember going through, flipping, like I remember, so the end of my, was it the spring of my first year at Cal Poly? Um, my I, junior year? Yeah, it was my junior year. I think, yeah, I think my junior year. And <laughs> I wanted to like keep fit over the summer to like be ready for the season and shit. So um, I took a trip to Costa Rica because um, Steve Sampson had like a team out there. Mm-hmm. We could train with some of them. So I really wanted to get back to playing. I was determined to come back like next season at Cal Poly and show people in California like, yo, I can actually play. Yeah. Let me just get my stuff together and I'll be good. Yeah. And so I went out to, to Costa Rica, grinded, met someone, like spent so much time with some of my really good friends now here. Grinded through there, but like throughout the whole time there, I just kept having little knee injuries, like little little nicks, little nicks and little yeah. niggles. I'm like, my whole time in my head, I'm just like, you're thinking about it. I'm like ignoring it. I'm like, no, ish, this is not happening. Yeah. Like, you're not happening. You're grinding through it. And like, looking back, I definitely should have probably just taken a step back, taken a step back, um, maybe not played, not trained as hard. 
and, and try to just like recover and get focused on my health. Mm-hmm. But I was so driven by like this motivation to do well yeah. that like I didn't even allow myself like the opportunity to look after myself, like yeah. my own mental health or my physical health. Because yeah. I was just like, I need to do this. Yeah, I mean, it all starts, right? It all starts in your head. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the confidence and everything you need to be your best is all in your head, right? Yeah. And just like, I feel like a lot of athletes do this, like me personally too. Like I had, mm-hmm. I tore my hamstring, pulled my hamstring, and then partially tore my hamstring yeah. just, um, over like a year. And like, I just wanted to get back in it quick, quick, quick. Mm-hmm. I do like my PT. I'd like work hella hard and then I would like increase the weights. Like I'm going to get there quicker. I'm just increasing weights, increasing weights. Yeah. I'm trying to think I'm going to get there quicker, but that's not the case. Like it's the whole process that you have to just be honest with yourself about. And like, that's, I think the biggest problem with like mm-hmm. athletes in general, it's like they want to be the best they can be as soon as possible because they're like, fuck, this is my identity. I don't want people to look at me like I'm not as good as I actually am because I truly believe I'm this good. Yeah. Like that's like the hardest thing. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy as well. Because also, also like with that, it also ties back into what we're saying about like being viewed as this like kind of product. So yeah. you, I was like, I knew that Cal Poly had taken a chance on me. Yeah. Like I knew that like, they give me a scholarship to go like a really great school and everything. And I just really wanted to show up. You know, I really wanted to do well. I wanted to win shit with the team here. You know, I wanted to show everyone that I met here, like, yo, like, this means a lot to me sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I went out there, grind. I had all these nicks. I ignored them all. And then we come back here, come back to California. We had our captain's camp. Captain's camp went, went well. No, no real issues. Um, and then with the first game of the season, we fly out to North Carolina. We had a trip, I think we are playing North Carolina, and then we're going to like New Mexico after. Mm-hmm. But we get there, and I remember it's just the night, the day before our game, first game of the season against North Carolina. We go for a whole training session, and then Steve says, like, okay, go, if you're forward, go do some finishing if you want. If you're field, just go pass the balls around or whatever. So me and my good friend Sebastian went and just started shooting, hitting balls. And I hit like, I swear I took like 10 or 15 shots, no issues. Just us going back and forth. And like the 16th shot or something like that, my knee just went out. And that, when I, when I saw that happen, like I knew it was an ACL tear again. And it was, my car just sank at that point. Yeah. Like absolutely fucking sank. I was like, I had to like start processing the reality. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so attached to this, right, this reality, this identity of myself. Mm-hmm. And like that moment, I kind of like sort myself like, fuck, like, I don't think you're coming back from a third one-ish. Like mm-hmm. I had to like say it to myself right there, you yeah. know, and like. Did you say it to yourself right there? It took me a little bit to process. Uh-huh. And then we went out to, we went to dinner. I'm sitting at the dinner table, all the boys there were having um, Italian food and great guys on the team. I, I could tell they were just trying to get my spirits up, just trying mm-hmm. to talk to me and everything. But like it was just overwhelming. So I went outside and I remember sitting outside this cafe. I called my mom and told her what had happened and just like bursted into tears. Yeah. Like just uncontrollably just crying in the just like outside this restaurant, my whole team's inside eating dinner. I'm just like crying, all these people walking by, seeing me with a big ass fucking ice pack, just random dude with a fucking ice pack on his knee, just crying in the middle of the street. Like and that was just like took a lot out of me it took a lot out of me I can imagine. oh my god man that was 
that was tough for me to just like process. And then, yeah, so after that, I remember the team went over, flew out to New Mexico, but they flew me back to Cal, Cal Poly because obviously I'm not playing against New Mexico. So they flew me back to Cal Poly. And then I remember coming back here. And what did I do to suppress all these thoughts? Yeah, First thing I did, I went and picked up a fucking six pack. Probably, for, honestly, probably picked up a 30 rack. We probably tossed him that. That's probably what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, yeah. And then that just, that's what I did for a good portion of my time at Cal Poly. I never really sat down and addressed what, like, my reality was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, just be yeah. drinking. I was just drinking away. Pying. It's yeah, like, okay, partying. you're here to survive. Just get your degree and what you're going to do to fill the gaps in between instead of thinking about what's just happened in your life. You're just going to go turn up. Yeah. You know, you're not going to yeah. think about shit. And yeah. that's what I did for the longest of fucking times. And um, I remember I never really had, like, someone to really speed this through. Like, I have my, my family back home. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know they were feeling for me. And it's such a weird thing. It's like, my mom would love to just say, like, just come back. Just come back right now. Yeah. We'll take care of you. But, like, also knowing where I've, like, come from as, like, like my background, like, mm-hmm. Like, I can't pass up a fucking college education at yeah. uh, fucking Cal Poly. Like, I was so close. I wanted to just go home and say, fuck the degree. But, like, I had to stay. Yeah. So I just grinded through that. And it was just, it was tough. I remember, like, um, like so they wanted us to, they wanted me to still be a part of the team and, like, mm-hmm. stay amongst the community and everything. And, like, I love the boys and everything. And, like, I never wanted them to think, like, I maybe was, thought I was, like, too big to be like around just like hanging out and be the guy to help you guys get balls back in. It was just so, it was just too painful. It like, was just too like painful. mentally painful. Mm-hmm. Just like, I should be on the other side kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd spent too many years yeah. already just like watching people. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't go to practice and watch all my boys go have fun playing and I'm just sitting there getting balls in. Yeah. Like I did it for like a couple of weeks and I'm like, it honestly just felt like torture. Yeah. It's like I was waking up to go to torture. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't do that shit. So I, I went to Steve, explained that to him. He he encouraged me to go get counseling, which I really appreciate. I was the first, like, honestly, when I look back, that's, like, that's definitely more than what anyone in Akron ever did for me. You yeah. know, tell me to go get some fucking counseling. So I went to get the counseling at Cal Poly. That's why I started laughing when you were talking yeah, about before, because yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was fucking bullshit. I was like, awful. I would say like it was just the worst shit ever. I remember just sitting there, like I was it's trying like, to. You want to get to the point, and they're not letting you get to the point. Yeah. It's like, dude, I want to talk to you about what it is right now. Don't try to leave me. <laughs> I don't know what I want to talk to you about, right? Yeah. That's what, was that how it worked for you too? It was like also just like it felt like I was just like leading the conversation. I wanted like I don't know if she, like she could like really sympathize with me. Yeah. I feel like she just felt like, oh, this kid's complaining that he got another injury. Like I, I felt like. I was just saying, like, yeah, like, I don't, I, like, this is, I was playing to, like, the whole torture thing, like, I, I don't feel like I should go there. And, like, what I got from that was, like, a 30, 20-minute conversation, and she was like, yeah, I think it's probably, it's probably smart that you don't do that if you, that's how you feel. Like, we didn't actually, we, did, we didn't actually talk about it. Like, I was, like, I came there to, like, say, like, hey, like, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling like I can't be around soccer players and, like, and be, like, not playing. So I feel like I shouldn't be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think? And it was no input. Really. Whatever you think. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, great. Thanks. Thanks for the help. Jeez. And I remember just leaving that shit. And at that point, I just like, I didn't really, I didn't fuck with therapy after that. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, okay, this is not going to help. So um, I went back to Steve, said like, oh yeah, the therapist said that it's probably right that I don't like sit here and pass balls for you guys. 
So he's like, okay, I can understand that. And like, um, yeah, it's yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna touch on that. That's another thing. I don't yeah, think yeah. I don't think it's right that I bring this into it. But yeah. I don't know if people are listening there, they might have an inkling of what I'm gonna say. Like, I might have told them the story, but I'm not gonna say that now. But then um, I go from that, and so what I, I I went from going through that. And so I go through just back fucking partying again, of course. But like mm-hmm. now I'm also at the point, okay, cool. Here's, now it's time to rebuild your identity. Yeah. Who the fuck are you going to be? Yeah. Because my whole time, even like through the injuries, I still had this delusional thing that I was still going to make out the other side and be a fucking professional player. Mm-hmm. So I started delving in, into my work because I knew I had to fucking graduate. I had to do that. It was like mm-hmm. non-conditional, number one, right number one priority right yeah. there. But I didn't know what to do. But luckily, I got I got into coaching again because Steve has a club out here. Um, so I've been I've been working as assistant coach on the mm-hmm. side, and they gave me a team. And like this was a real outlet for me. So like it was really like still connected, still connected, yeah. still can. I still had a relation to my identity, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to just tear away my identity. Yeah. And so I delved in, like met these kids. I remember it was like nine kids at a point, like eleven year old kids. I'm like first day coaching I'm like alright I'm your coach let's do it and like I just delved, jumped into it so like maybe and I just dude I fucking love that shit okay. like I fell in love with it and it was just like mm-hmm. I love the kids like I love just seeing it like coaching them took me back to like me when I was like 10, 12 and like seeing them just playing this purely for the fun of it mm-hmm. and the love of it and I feel like I just been chewed up and eaten by the business system of it and it was just great to just see the pure just like joy from these kids playing so like i really enjoyed that delved into coaching them been coaching them for three years now um coached the club team i did some i um also coached the high school team and when i got to a point where i felt a little bit better with my identity Mm -hmm. I actually went back to Steve and I was a volunteer assistant for the Cal Poly team Mm -hmm. so that was i saw progress in myself because like it went from me not being able to be around the soccer team, then now me actually able to, okay, yeah. I'm down to be a and volunteer like, assistant. And like accepted it and like, I still want to be connected. Mm-hmm. And you found a way to be connected. Yeah. yeah that's nice. So that was a really nice feeling. But mm-hmm. in amongst all of this, it was still survival mode. So yeah. I never, I, I still at this point had not addressed these issues. Yeah. You know, I had not talked to anyone about them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, when you're in that kind of survival mindset, that you don't really get that. And it's like, why I even think it's so important. Like, even like, when you look at all like impoverished neighborhoods across the United States and even in England, it's like, mm. you look at all the trauma that a lot of people have to deal with. Like, yeah. there's so much trauma that comes from just like being poor, period. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much trauma that comes from being black. There's so much trauma from like growing up in neighbors and seeing people that you know look like you are dying from, whether it's like gun violence, knife violence, or just police brutality. Like, there's so many things that affect people in those communities, but they never get, like, really... But when you're in that survival mode, when you don't have a lot of resources, no one has time to fucking... You don't pay attention to that shit. You don't address that shit. You don't think about, oh, my God, am I depressed? Oh, my God, am I anxious? Oh, my God, do I need to speak to someone right now? Like, I don't have to do any of that. Like, I was... Growing up as a kid, like, my mom was working two jobs all... Like, all the the time I knew my mom was working... Two, job, two jobs all the time. And, like, I think to myself, like, how the fuck did she do that? Mm-hmm. And, like, me as a kid, I didn't, have the, I didn't have the opportunity to worry about big, grand scheme things because, like, I knew, like, right now, I remember when we were, like, I was like how old was I? It was, like, one of the, 
global was it 2008 the crisis economic yeah. crisis that forced me and my, uh, my family out of our house so we had to sell our house and we had to, I had to I had to move to a place called Tilbury which is like three hours from my school mm-hmm. and three hours in England three hours is a fucking ridiculous commute I know in California you guys are used to that shit because your state's fucking huge but like, <laughs> for us that's like insane that's yeah that's insane no one travels fucking three hours for anything so um, three hours like you would you say trains train yeah, yeah train and yeah. stuff yeah. so but like point I'm trying to make is that I'm worried about survival I'm knowing that my mom's struggling financially to put food on the table keep our head roof over her head I don't have time to think about anything else going for my life mm-hmm. and so a lot of people have these um or grow up in these um, scenarios even worse off than me like I know I was blessed compared to a lot of people um but like you have to think like. There's so much trauma built up, which is why I think there needs to be like more mental health consideration taken into these communities, you know, because, mm-hmm. and then you, you wonder like why people come out, like there's so much aggression. You wonder why there's so much crime in these neighborhoods. And you wonder why like people get mad about like, oh, rappers always talking about like all the drugs and all this like drugs being like, that is like, they're not glorifying, like they're not, they're not saying it's just like, oh, at cool. They're saying like, yo, this is shit that's going on in our lives. Like yeah. you guys are bumping to the beast, but this is, reality yeah. this is not how life should be yeah. and like i only got to i remember okay like the point where i got to i can actually sit back and think about this is because amongst all of this this shit i so firstly i had to speak on my wife on this mm-hmm. <laughs> met my wife and like she, when we first talked she got me to like open up she mm-hmm. really challenged me to talk about my fucking feelings she was like the first first one to yeah. really challenge and me. you were like 22? 22, 23, I mean, 22, I think I was 22, 20. 23. Uh-huh. And, like, she really yeah. challenged me. That's just who she is. She's, yeah. like, she's a caring person. That's she asks questions. Uh-huh. So she really brought some shit out, and I'm, like, fuck. And then, like, yeah, my boys are probably wondering, why is Ish, like, all fucking, like, he's he whipped over here. Now? Like, he's fucking <laughs> soft. It's because she made me fucking talk. Like, <laughs> she made me talk about this shit. And it's, it's I, like, I thank her for it. Like, yeah. it helped me out of a fucking hole. And, like, now we've got, I'm at a point now where, I'm working here, so I have a job. I'm like, now I'm at a point where, okay, I don't have too many worries now. Like, I don't have to worry about money. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in a good position. I can look forward to, like, um, happiness in my life. I can see, like, a, a, a nice, clear future. Yeah. yeah. But with that comes, like, another problem. Because now it's like, fuck, okay, now that you're in the position, you're no longer in survival mode. Now you have to address all this shit. Because now you have time to think about it. Yeah. Now I have time to, like, think through all this shit. I'm like damn, this shit fucks me head. And like still sometimes I want to suppress it, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I still want to press, suppress it. Sometimes I still um, don't want to talk about it. But like mm-hmm. people don't realize you only get to this. Like I, I have, like my workplace right now, they speak a lot about like they're really for mental health and they cards get therapy sessions, which is great. But it's like when you're, when you don't have those resources, yeah. you don't even think that you need that shit. Yeah. So I'm realizing like, fuck, like, now and now I realize I need this shit. I'm like, I think it's, I don't know what I'm trying, how I'm trying to put this. It's like an outlet. You're trying to find like, so now you have time to find an outlet to mm-hmm. like let go of these emotions and talk about these emotions and stuff, basically, right? Yeah, like that. But it's also like the fact that I want people to understand that there's a lot of people who need these same resources, mm-hmm. but they don't. They have, don't get it. They don't get it, and yeah. they don't. They won't ever. If they're not in corporate stuff like that it's like yeah. if they're not if you don't if you're not in a position in your life where you're not yeah. fighting for survival like you don't 90, have time 99 or not 90 yeah to 99 percent of the world <laughs> it's crazy yeah. Like, yeah it's 
it's something I always think about because I feel like I have an uh, interesting perspective because I grew up in England and made some, I have like my childhood friends I loved to death. Mm-hmm. And then like I also came to like California, made some really good connections, made some really good friends who I really love and hold dear to my heart. But like I look at my friends back home who grew up in poverty and I look at like the lives of like a lot of my friends here from Marin County, like the <laughs> fucking richest place in California. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, this is fucking on my hand. How do I have how do I have friends on both eyes of the yeah. spectrum? And that just allows me to like be invested in these people's lives and these people's lives. And see it's like see the perspective, like, yo, like what's different for my friends here and my friends here? It's like it's all just opportunity. Yeah. And it's just like the the path that you're given, it's like like it's 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 fucking mind-boggling. It's yeah. mind-boggling. I'm like it, it's just sad to think when you when you realize that and then you start thinking about why things are that way. Uh, this is only this begins a political thing, of course it could, yeah. but like I know we're focused on the mental health aspect here. I'm like, I think it's I don't know that in itself. Like survivor, I remember here. I remember reading about survivor's guilt mm-hmm. and never really understanding it. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like I'm fucking living that shit. Now you realize it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like fair. Like why the, the only thing that separated me from my friends back home. Was because I was able to place, I was talented at soccer, mm-hmm. and that just fucks my head. Like yeah. I shouldn't be here, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. it's it's just like it's um, a weird. It's a weird. It's, it's just like <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know the answer to it. I mean, no, obviously, it looks like no one knows the answer to it, and it's yeah. like you know, just I mean, mm-hmm. being grateful and giving back is like probably one of the best things you can do. Which I'm pretty sure, like, you're thinking about doing it. Yeah, man, that's that's what I want to do. I mean, um, my mom has always wanted to build one of her dreams is like to build a university in Uganda, and like I really want to do that. You know, just like I, I want to just like want to help with that shit, just try and like change the outcomes of people across the world. Because like it just sad to me. Like there's so many issues, obviously, in this country. So many issues in like England. There's also just like a whole continent that was fucking ravaged and like are still surviving, still trying to figure out like how to, like are still trying to bounce back from being completely stripped of their resources. Uh, every single other <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and then people, and then still have to fucking deal with the shit of being looked at as if like you're a victim or some shit or like you still have to deal with racism and you go for this shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, man. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went to... Um, what I've been doing, it's like every summer I go to impoverished countries, Mm -hmm. like two years ago, I went to Kenya Mm -hmm. and did like medical work there and helped them like scale, um, their like healthcare system and stuff like that and work out, work in the hospitals, like help everyone there. Mm -hmm. And the year before, I mean, last year I did the same thing, but in like Guatemala and stuff and like just doing that stuff too, just like, I mean, then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to give like mm-hmm. what I have, like that I'm grateful for to like trying to give or somehow give it mm-hmm. to these people. Like, but it's short term, but yeah. it's like, you know, you're trying, you're trying, but like mm-hmm. in the long run, like what you said, like my whole goal is to like, yeah. you know, do stuff for those kids and stuff. Cause dude, yeah. you were, when I was there, Oh my God. Yeah. It's just like, it had, I had felt like, I felt like empty. Yeah. It's like, like they're, they were so happy though. Mm-hmm. Compared to everyone, if you compare oh, it, they're so yes, happy. Yes. There's nothing, and they're happy with it. Mm-hmm. But like here, you see in, the, in America, like because we're complaining, everyone can get anything, and like they always want the next best thing or whatever it is. Yeah. And 
that's why you see like everyone's mental health is awful. But like in Kenya, like what I saw in Guatemala, what I saw, like everyone seemed pretty happy and was like just going along with the flow and like living life, mm-hmm. accepting life and living life for what it is. And like, yeah, they're definitely way happier than like. Most people, yeah. Most it's like, people here. People complain about like, oh, I can't fucking like kids will complain about not being able to play iPhone. Fortnite. Yeah, like, oh, oh, they took on my fucking Wi-Fi Fortnite. What the hell? Wi-Fi is down. Like, <laughs> yeah. fucking hell. Like, and it's just it's the thing that fucks me as well is like, there's enough wealth in this world for that not to be the case. Yeah. But just like greed it's is just like and... why it's not. And it's yeah. like we can we can get to a point where everyone in the world has like a livable wage mm-hmm. and livable like livable conditions and like would actually help propel the world's economy like mm-hmm. if just like imagine if like people aren't fucking homeless yeah. imagine if people do have education imagine mm-hmm. if that like imagine if every person had all those opportunities like just baseline everything will be so much better imagine if everyone had mental health like access to mental health you probably won't see as, as much gun crime you probably mm-hmm. won't see as much um, like trouble that you have to deal with like mm-hmm. like put some flipping money into the into impoverished nations and impoverished like communities like in the states and you won't have to fucking you don't have to over police those areas you don't have to do that shit because you know we're not people aren't doing this shit because they want to it's not like when these kids we ask like a drug daddy think he wanted to fucking be a drug daddy's all that it's fucking survival like it's like there's no fucking way for you to get a fucking job here i don't see where i get a job my kids need a fucking like and kids need to eat yeah what can i do to make money Sure, I'll sell some fucking drugs. Like people yeah. do that shit, and yeah. it's like there's a like it's not like their goal. And so people look down on those people, like what are you doing? But try to put yourself in that shoes. Yeah. What would you do for your kid if yeah. you had not if you had no if you had no money coming yeah. in? That's, that's what would you yeah. do? How much do you love your kid? What would you do? Yeah. I know it sounds great now because you don't have to think about this because you probably had a great college like degree. Risk your life. Every single day of your life. Yeah, people say that's that. That's what they do. Exactly. People will say like, "Oh yeah, I'll, 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 I'll kill some, I'll kill for my kid, or I'll die for my child." Well, if you would die for your child, you probably would sell drugs for your child yeah. too. Yeah. So like, just understand that perspective, yeah. and just like, let's see some fucking like, yeah, change, man. It just it seems so obvious and like see, see seems straightforward, and probably I am not like as educated in all the fucking nuances of it, but like mm-hmm. I think it has to start from a point of empathy mm-hmm. and like stop seeing people as like less than human or just like try to see them as your own and you'll yeah. understand some of the, stru- the struggles and the stresses yeah that's 100 yeah. percent true like mm-hmm. it's there it's right in front of us i mean mm-hmm. we can try to help address that but it's like mm-hmm. us addressing it helps mm-hmm. but it's like look like it's like it's not in our hands right i think about like another more things i know because especially with the way the world is now social media and everything and like a um, couple of layers of this I want to touch on. It's like, I think, first and foremost, the idea of social media is like great in itself. But I think what people struggle with is the pressure to like always be your best self, you know? Like the glamour. And the glamour. That's what, dude, that's what Instagram is doing. Like everything, mm-hmm. everyone on Instagram is trying to show their highlights, their, their best, highlight reel. just to be like, look, I'm like this person, I'm like this person, I'm like these influencers, like yeah. look at me, right? But like, dude, that's like the toughest part. I don't want to like mm-hmm. say like anything, but like most likely those people are going through so many other hard times, just mm-hmm. like with self love, self care, and yeah. those type of problems that like yeah. that has to be addressed. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, that just comes from this type of era we're in in social media, where it's like you're just showing your glamour of life. Like, yeah, 
you know it's crazy it's like it's it's crazy like like you can't even blame people for doing that no but like it It just ended up shifting towards that shifted to that because everyone wants to be everyone has some sort of greed some sort of power hungriness in them right Mm -hmm. and like in Instagram, like by having more followers, mm. more followers, more followers. I remember when I first downloaded Facebook, yeah. I had a competition with my friends. Uh, really? <laughs> friends. And That's let me, nice. I just, yeah. I'd go on my friends, mutual friends, and just add everyone. Oh, yeah. I have a thousand friends. Yeah. I mean, those are my friends, probably 50. 50, yeah. You know, That's but like, what's the point of that? Nothing. Nothing. It just, it's just, yeah, it's like, oh God, it's, there's so many layers. It's like, I think because of like the, the perception everyone tries to perceive, like on their social media accounts, what what you don't realize is when people are scrolling through that and they're seeing all these highlight rows of your people's lives, you immediately have this feeling that you're not I mean, doing well or yeah, you're not exactly. doing well, you're not doing something. And like, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, there's no one to blame on this. It's just like, we need to have real conversations and like, maybe just like have, maybe people be a little more open. It's like, like talk to people, like, you know, people are going through stuff, but it's very easy to paint this picture that your life is perfect. So when someone comes across your shit and they don't feel that their life's perfect, they're going to feel that much worse. Mm-hmm. And like, just also with the content that's being shown a well, that there's so much stuff that is being good that I think is like opening. So for, for like, let's say we all these, you see these police brutality shootings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I remember when I first, I remember my girl told me not to watch this shit, mm-hmm. um, but I felt like I, I had the need to watch it. Mm-hmm. So I remember watching that shit and I'm watching this nine minute fucking video and it was a okay. I watched this shit, and like I remember, it, I could not get that shit out of my mind. Yeah, you know. And then I went to work, and like I'm working all day, and like, but it's this is still on my mind. Mm-hmm. And like, what you have to understand is like all every like police killing that happens. I don't know how it affects other people, but for me, when I see that, when I see like a black man getting shot for like a random like a random stop and like stop mm-hmm. on the highway, you see all these people said that you see George Floyd getting like his knee knee on his neck and being suffocated to death. Yeah. Like I see myself in that. Yeah. And like, it's such a real thing. But, like it stays with me. Like I have genuine fit. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember one time me and me and my girl, it was like a while ago actually, but me and my girl driving up from um, her place down, down in SoCal, we're driving up back to slow. And I went a little bit over the speed limit and then I got pulled over by a cop. Mm-hmm. And I remember my immediate, my immediate reaction was fucking fit. I was so scared. Like I had my license. I had everything was good. Yeah. You know, I was all good. But for some reason, you were just I scared. was so scared. Yeah. I remember like I couldn't fucking talk. Yeah. And like after that experience, I was like, what the fuck was I so scared? Yeah. And I realized it's because it, she'd been watching all these fucking videos yeah. of people getting killed on police swapping. So yeah. like that was the first one my mind went to. Like yeah. that was my association, yeah. which is such a bad thing in itself. So mm-hmm. when you think about like when like the reason we get from like for a lot of these police brutality is like, oh, I felt friend. Like hold on for a second and realize that even if you felt friend, why why do why do you think why do you think that person like when I was when that person was probably stopped who was like okay he probably had that same feeling I felt fucking angst and scared that he's gonna get his life death so maybe he might act a little irrational Mm -hmm. maybe he may do a slight movement Mm -hmm. maybe he might do all that stuff because you're fucking like you're you're scared as human and it's like like that shit is just it becomes like your first instinct because you're looking at this every single day like you know it's mm-hmm. the media is sending us out every single day and people are watching it and like it's i don't know you can get kind of conspiracy with this but we should put on <laughs> you know what i'm saying one of those podcasts but like <laughs> even in, even in general when you think about this as well like when you have like these cops who maybe feel that that mm-hmm. fear 
because I feel it's a genuine thing. I think there's a lot of cops out there who, when they see a black person, they're scared of that person or yeah. they feel threatened by that. And you think about why they feel that. Yeah. That is all just being socialized into them from their whole life. And everyone knows how hard it is to change habits in yourself. Everyone understands that. And like the world we live in is has always been, there's so much, all the media that's been projected has always portrayed black people as aggressive, as um, as criminals, all yeah. these things. And like that's just like how I've even been more socialized. Yeah. So in myself, I see self-hate in myself. Mm-hmm. Like I feel hatred within my, like you just, you, it builds other things. I'm like, so of course, a you, know, cop, you don't look at yourself like, yeah, I don't as see just my, like a plain human, you look at yourself as like, I'm black, basically. Is that what you're saying? Because, like, I mean, that's, yeah. it's, that's it's, totally true. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember something Morgan Freeman actually said. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know how you stop racism is you stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you stop calling me black, or, for example, someone, you stop calling me brown. Mm-hmm. I stop calling you black. We don't call this person white. We're all human, right? Yeah. That's, like, the end. That's, that's what it is. But, yeah. like, it's, that's that's that's, just, that's a weird that's a weird conversation to have because yeah. like I, I get I get the like borderline like just yeah. understanding of that. However, like I think there's more to that. So one of the things I hate when I talk mm-hmm. about people about racism mm-hmm. is when they say stuff like I don't see color, and and here's why. Like I get what the people are trying to do with that yeah. to try and let me know that the same thing. Like hey, we're all one race and everything. But what you need to what we need to change is like we have to understand is like you are the negative connotations that you have with. Of, of like a black person mm-hmm. that you feel like you have to um, get out of your mind. You've been socialized to feel that way. So when I don't want you to, I don't, I want you to see who I am. I want you to see me as a black person. But when you see me as a black person, I don't want you to then associate me with negative things. Yes, 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 I want yes. you to see me for who I am, mm-hmm. see me for my culture, but don't have that inner thought of like, okay, that gives me this inkling that he may be aggressive. When he starts yelling, I think, oh, man, he's aggressive. No, you don't. Like when you see when you see like a white person get angry, you don't like speak passionately about something. You see them, oh, they're passionate. That guy's super passionate. Yeah. The black guy starts yelling. That guy's fucking aggressive as fuck. Yeah, it's just it's just like the perspective is skewed. It's so skewed, by, and, so, and it is by and it seems to be. I mean, obviously by media because it is media. It's so, like every fucking movie, like American. Yeah, exactly. America runs the media game. Like it's hands down. Yeah. Everyone across the world watches American movies, yeah. American television, listens to American music. So America has such a huge role in socializing the world. Mm-hmm. And like this world culture. World now. culture. It's yeah. just crazy. And like I remember I watched, if you guys haven't checked this out, I watched the 13th on Netflix. Oh, I just watched that actually last week. Fucking insane. Yeah. That, but like those <laughs> dude, those stats are Oh uh, god, that oh, journey sorry. is scary, man. Yeah, I know. That's it's scary. Yeah. But it's good for people to understand that shit. Yeah. And it's like uh, I mean, we can go we can I can think about this shit forever and like I don't wanna <laughs> I want to fucking turn this into a flipping one of those ones, but like I obviously yeah. need to speak on it because yeah, exactly. it's um, like in these these conversations need to be had, you know. Yeah, like 100%. it's um, people just need to realize, like, be willing to learn, be willing to unlearn the things that you know is true right now. Mm-hmm. It's I know it's hardest it's the hardest thing to do to accept that you may have these biases in your head, mm-hmm. but like we all do, and like don't see it as your fault. Understand that everything that you feel, you're socialized that way. Yeah. Exactly. Everything that you feel. Yeah. So if you feel a little inkling, a little racism in you, don't feel bad about okay, feel okay, if you're racist, fuck you. But <laughs> like don't I want you just to understand yeah. like where that comes from. And that if you if it's like don't with anything. Just feel like I'm not. 
Yeah. You know, just, just like see what I'm trying just, to say. Yeah, exactly. You know, listen, like, yeah. listen, it's like, listen to all perspectives. Yeah. And just yeah. be willing to learn and accept mm-hmm. that you may be wrong. And, um, like that's with anything with, even when we talk about mental health, when you go to counseling, they're going to try to get to the root of the cause. So mm-hmm. when we talk about these racism discussions, let's go to the root of it. Mm-hmm. And it's being deeply rooted in society. It's a fact that we have to accept what life, what world do you want your kids to move into, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, man, I mean, just for everyone who's dealing with these struggles, just, yeah, I guess just find an outlet for that and just... Listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> learn and just learn and just try and find something. Whether therapy is not for you, Find something. Find like a passion. Yeah. That become like, find your passion and like your passion is your is your therapy. Mm-hmm. You know that's what it is in the end. Like something you love to do ends up becoming your therapy. You don't have to be like professional at it or anything. Like as long as I, I mean this is my perspective. Mm-hmm. As long as you have a passion for something and you do that, mm-hmm. and you're putting that energy into it, it's gonna become something and it is your therapy and you're going to be much happier mm-hmm. than like going blind into the yeah. world kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, for me personally, like I, my, my like outlet that I found was, cause I was still very reluctant on therapy, mm-hmm. um, was music and that mm-hmm. became therapy to me. And so, um, I, that's where, that's kind of why I started making, why I started really spending my time making music. I remember, when I was going through, I think it was like with my first year, I was going through, with my first year of like out of college, mm-hmm. I was like going through like that whole thing I was talking about before, just like having the time to process all these emotions mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. And so what I did was I, I made a song and I remember writing that song and like, I was like, I felt just such a therapeutic aspect from it, mm-hmm. like writing the song, recording the song and then hearing it back. Yeah. And like, it gives me just like, it helps, it helps me like, close a chapter on that book, yeah, on that yeah. on that part of my life. Like, it's a, like, I can always revisit that part of my life just by listening to this song, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, that, for me, is, like, so powerful, so beautiful in my life. And, like, I'm excited by it, you know? That's why when the chef with George Floyd, the only way I knew how to deal with it was to write a song. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's that's what... That's, that was my outlet. I'd encourage mm-hmm. people to find an outlet. It used to, my outlet used to be soccer, but obviously I can't do that yeah. anymore, so... You just, just found find another one, and it's like it's still your passion, you know. Yeah. And you love it. I mean, I've definitely seen. I've been following your music, and by the way, uh, your artist's name is Soul. Soul. Yeah, S O U L. S O U L. Soul. Um, when I started listening to your music, was the first? Was it the first one you loved? End of our days. End of our days. That one, I, I mean, I had to listen to it a couple times to kind of understand, like, what you're saying just from, like, my point of view, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, at first, like, oh, sick, this is a sick beat and stuff, and I started listening more, listening more, I was like, holy shit, like, this is, this is, like, fucking, this is nice, this yeah. is deep, this is, like, him, he's putting, you're putting you, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself in your music, and that's just amazing. Yeah, I, and, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, that's, that's Appreciate awesome. that, man. That's Appreciate that, I mean, I think going through, like, all the shit that I went through, like, in being in America, I feel like I never really, I don't think I feel like because I was always trying to just fit in, survive. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really showed who I was, mm-hmm. and I feel like I had so much parts of me that I wanted to show. And I feel like now I'm at a place where I think I can try and get that out with my music mm-hmm. and just let people know. Like I want to be one of my goals in my music. I just want to be 
as open as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to be as vulnerable as mask possible. Off. Just mask off. This, yeah. is, this is me. Like, yeah, this is like, I know I'm not perfect. These are some issues I've been yeah. with. These are some things I've done in my past. Like, I just want everyone to, I want to be fully open so people understand, like, this, this whole shit that people are always trying to be perfect. Like, fuck that, man. Fuck, yeah. No one's perfect. No, no one's one perfect. knows how to fucking live this life. We're all winging this shit. What, like, what is perfect? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is subjective. You know exactly. It's, it's just what you make it. Do it. Yeah. So just like let me do just do your shit. You, you do you and yeah. own it. Own that shit. Be you and accept yeah. that, man. Yeah. Be you. Love you. Um, don't let anyone make you feel less just because like they don't understand a part of you. Mm-hmm. Like just this whatever. Yeah. Like you're you. You can't change that. Deal with it. Like yeah. let people deal with it. If they yeah. if they fuck if you great. If they don't. Fine. It's fine. There's seven billion, billion, seven billion people in the world. Like, exactly. I'm sure you'll find a few people. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to exactly. say? No, exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I honestly have been just uh, what I've been seeing in mm. music recently, especially with these new artists. Like, mm. and you too. And like, I have a couple other people I know that are getting into music as well, and everyone is finally getting to the stage of just being vulnerable. Mm. You know, like music. Um, as you, you can like look a little far back, it wasn't like really vulnerable yeah. or anything. It's like a it was, facade, yeah. almost, almost, yeah. Yeah, but now it's like I'm telling my story, and you're gonna listen to it, basically. Yeah. And that's exactly. honestly beautiful. Like I think that's where like the whole music industry is going. And, like it seems like you have a head start on it too, appreciate which that, is man. amazing. Yeah, man, appreciate amazing. that. I'm gonna I have a, a project coming out mm-hmm. um, within the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. It'll be a short project, but in that project, I feel like I open up to the world a little bit. So if you don't really know me, um, I feel like you're, I'm very vulnerable with my emotions at different stages of my life in that songs, mm-hmm. in those songs. So yeah. It's like a e- 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 extended playlist. Yeah, e- so I'm not a full album yet. Uh-huh. Um, holding on to some tracks. I don't know which ones I want to put for the album, uh-huh. but for the EP, I just want to just get, I just want to give like a little taste. I just like let mm-hmm. people know like, Hey, this is me. Mm-hmm. Is a bit of my emotions I'm feeling through this how I'm feeling. Um and yeah, man. I'm gonna oh, keep yeah. doing that shit. So I'm yeah, excited exactly. for the journey. You do you, you're gonna fucking yeah. get it, baby. Yeah, bro. Yeah, That's so sick. Glad to find and so it right now man. you just have you have those three songs out? Yeah, I have three songs out, um, end of our days, like I do, and um I feel weak. Mm-hmm. Or can find them anywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, um just type in soul, I feel weak and like Listen to that shit. Let me know what you think, man. Yeah. <laughs> Simple oh, yeah. that. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, Ish. It yeah. was honestly a pleasure having you. This was a great conversation. Appreciate you, man. Um, holy shit, dude. <laughs> hey, holy shit. thanks for the therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a good one. All right.